Good morning, or good afternoon, or good evening, depending on when you are watching this. Uh, whenever it is, welcome. Great that you could join us and uh, watch uh, the main sermon uh, from myself this morning from Billericay Baptist Church. And uh, just make sure you check out what Tom is doing for uh, Delve this morning for the young people and Charlotte as well uh, doing Kingdom Kids with our good friend Scotch Jeremy. I think he's still involved. And uh, thank you for Christine to putting the worship songs together. Uh, really appreciate that as well. Make sure you worship along to those. Have a good listen and sing your hearts out. Um <clears throat> Just a big shout out as well to somebody who's really helped us during this time. Uh, take our ramblings on video and turn them into something as slick as they are. And that's Dave Lodge. So Dave, just a big shout out to you and a big thank you um, for what you've been doing over the past uh, few weeks, month, I think it is now. I'm, I'm kind of losing track. Um, just one thing really is to, is to say to look out for one another. Um, I know that we can't meet, but I know a lot of people are in touch with uh, uh, some of our folk who aren't um, able to watch this or have the internet, etc. Um, or just, just generally phoning up and, and seeing how people are. It's so important that we engage and we be the body of Christ. If you are in need, if you do need some help, um, please get in contact with uh, one of the leadership team. Um, especially if it's a confidential matter or something like that, then please make sure you reach out to one of us. And if it's just a general need for shopping or anything else like that you're not able to get out, then, then we've got plenty of volunteers that have said they'd like to help. So uh, with that all said, I'm going to pray and uh, crack on with what I feel God has uh, shared with me to share to you uh, this morning. So let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you that we can come before you as your children, you are our Heavenly Father. And Lord, we praise your holy name. We thank you for your Son, Jesus, for his death, his resurrection, that we can have life everlasting because of that. Lord, whatever I say this morning, I pray that it will be your words. And uh, if anything isn't of you, Lord, then I just pray that that would fall by the wayside. So Lord, just settle our hearts and bring peace to our spirits as we hear from you this morning in Jesus name amen so i wanted to finish off really uh john 21 now tom did a great job in um looking at part of john 21 and uh stole a little bit of my thunder which is great because it shows that the holy spirit was working amongst us we hadn't collaborated at all we tend to try not to at the moment just so that we're, we're seeing what god is saying uh to us and um one of the things that, that that tom did really well was looking at the the bit where the disciples were on uh, the boat they were going fishing again and jesus is on the shore he asks them if they've caught any fish and I think Tom brilliantly conveyed the way in way it probably happened with Peter wondering who this joker was, this expert fisherman who's on the shore, he's not even on the boat. Um, but then Peter realising that it's actually Jesus and jumping into the water when he could have stayed in a boat and rowed back with the disciples, but he was so eager to see Jesus. And apart from the Great Commission and Jesus' ascension, um, this is one of the last recorded things that Jesus did. And it's to do with a haul of fish. 
Um, now, if you turn with me to Luke 5, uh, verses 1 to 11, I'm going to read it out. Um, and this is one of the first things that Jesus did as well. So let me read it from verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with the people crowding round him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deeper water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Sounds very familiar to John 21. Uh, he says, I will let that, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets, nets began to break. So they signalled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. So were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid, from now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. The first encounter um, we see of Jesus is one of being a miracle man and um, I've often wondered how Jesus managed to persuade these fishermen away from their livelihood their boats you don't just rock up and uh, it's interesting in Mark's gospel it does actually say that Jesus kind of just rocks up and and says follow me I'll make you fishers of men and that's it but here we have the encounter in Luke where there's a little bit more to Jesus just saying, follow me. There is a there's a lesson here. There's a miracle that happens. Um, there's 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 something that is, is big that's happening here. It's Jesus making a statement. Um, he performs this miracle in front of their eyes, gives them a greater purpose, saying, now you will fish for men. And, and they followed. They saw that and they followed. And in this encounter, Jesus is letting them know, even though they probably hadn't guessed it, that they were about to become world changers in catching people for the cause of the kingdom. Now, if we go back to John 21, we see Jesus perform the same miracle. But there are no crowds here. No big mission statement from Jesus to a multitude of people. No it's literally just for these few disciples who've actually returned to their old ways and uh, their old lives of fishing. That's what Peter did. And this leads us into why Jesus is performing uh, a, a private miracle and cooking them all a breakfast. Again, Jesus and his food, he just liked to eat. I've, I've got a heart for Jesus. I love him. I love him. And, and Jesus could light a fire. I was pondering on this the other day. Did he have, how did he do it? No matches. Uh, did he call down fire from heaven? Um, or was he just a good guy who could light a fire like anyone could with stones and flint and whatever? 
I digress, but that's where my brain goes sometimes. Um, I'm going to read John 21, 15 to 19. And that should have slid in really nicely now because Dave's done that. Um, and, and it's titled Jesus Reinstates Peter. But it's so much more than that. So let me read this. So if you turn to your Bibles, John 21, 15 to 19. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Three times. Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Now, we know, and I've read quite a bit on this, and scholars all agree that that um, Jesus is making a little bit of a point here to Peter. Three times Peter denied Jesus. And Jesus is asking Peter three times if he loves him. Jesus isn't looking for an apology. He isn't demanding anything from Peter apart from his love for him, Peter's saviour. And I think Jesus asks the same of us as well. Yes, we, we, we come to communion when we, we do that and we, we seek forgiveness of sins and we apologise and we can do that every single day. But what that meal is, um, the, the Last Supper as it were, is it's, it's to remember it's a remembrance meal. Jesus says, do this in uh, remembrance of me. So really, actually, all Jesus is asking for, from us is that we love him. It's actually in John 14, verse 23, that Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. So it's actually through loving Jesus that we obey his teaching. We do the right thing. We have a greater moral compass. It's not through our own endeavours, but through drawing close to Jesus and loving him. Now, Jesus re-emphasises this to Peter in John twenty-one fifteen, where he asks Peter if he loves Jesus more than the other disciples. I believe Jesus asked this question of us as well. Do we love Jesus more than our families, our homes, our job security, our material possessions? We've been looking with the youth recently at Job uh, and how 
all of this stuff was taken away from him. The boils, the sores, the accusations of his friends. And he still refused to blame God, but instead defended him. Would we do the same? If our families, our homes, our job security, our material possessions were all taken away in an instant, would you still love Jesus? That's the real test of faith. And for many around the world, this is their story. I don't believe we truly know what testing is in the West sometimes. And we see of people's homes that have been bombed or churches that have been destroyed and they have nothing, absolutely nothing. So Jesus is asking this question to Peter to see if he is ready for a task that Jesus is asking him to undertake. Peter is about to become the head, the leader, the shepherd. And Jesus needs to know if he's up to the challenge. Um, he needs to uh, ask him if he, he loves him. That's the first thing. Does he love Jesus? <clears throat> he doesn't give him a discipleship test or a recap of Alpha or present him with a certificate or even a dog collar. He simply asks Peter if he loves him. Now you can see the third time that Jesus asks Peter, do you love me, that Peter gets hurt. I think Peter is dawning on him that Jesus is reminding him of the three times denial of Jesus and of knowing him. And like I said, Jesus could have, he could have demanded an apology. He could have dropped some accusing tone in like I know that we as humans can be sometimes. When someone's saying sorry, we can say, well, I should think so too. But Jesus doesn't do that. He just asks Peter, do you love me? Now, the reason Jesus is asking this, as I've mentioned, is that Peter is about to change from a fisherman to a shepherd. Peter went back to what he knows at the uh, beginning of, of John 21. He went back to fishing. That's what he knows. That's what he's good at. Well, most of the time it seems he couldn't catch any fish, but we're assured that he was a good fisherman. He had a business. After all the years of teaching and miracles, he goes back to the old job. Now, as Tom mentioned, it's lovely to be sitting on a riverside or uh, the seashore and do a spot of fishing in that quiet time. And I'm sure uh, Peter did more fishing like that, maybe as a bit of a hobby or just to get food, um, as I kind of do with carpentry, as you can see. Um, it was my job. I was a carpenter. That's what I did daily. Um, but for me now, I believe there's a higher focus uh, and I think that is the same here for Peter. For a lot of us, when we wander from Jesus' path, we tend to fall into our old habits. Habits that are no good for us. In fact, like the Proverbs, uh, where it says uh, it's like a dog returning to its vomit. Sometimes going back to what we used to be like and what we did 
is not good for us, it's not right. Returning to fishing was not the calling Jesus had for Peter. So he sets him three tasks after each question of whether Peter loved Jesus. In verse 15, we can read it there. Jesus says, feed my lambs. Now I read, there are three different things of, of sheep. Okay, there are three different things. And I just want to highlight those three different things. I think what Jesus is saying here when he's saying feed my lambs, he's, he's, he's asking Peter to feed the young in the faith. Maybe some of those 72 that have been following, maybe the others that have started to come back, realising that Jesus is alive. Those that will come to Christ because of the testimony of the disciples. And they will be young in the faith. They'll need teaching. They'll need guiding. They'll need shepherding, as it were. For those that maybe are on the edge of believing, maybe those that are kind of dipping their toe in the water, who are recent converts or still kind of working it out. I also uh, like to think of it as the young as well. Feed my lambs. It's young people. It's children. And we know um, from Jewish uh, tradition and in the Old Testament how important it was um, for the uh, parents and the, the village and the town to raise up children in the ways of God. We, we read that in the Old Testament. Um, and each one of these, whether it be a child or a recent disciple, they all need teaching the ways of living for Jesus in thought, word and deed. In verse 16, he says, take care of my sheep, gone from lambs to sheep. Now, I see this as pastorally caring for those that are more mature in the faith. Uh, they still need the care of a shepherd, someone to minister, to lead them. As we read in Psalm 23, how we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I don't know, there's plenty of people who are walking with Christ that say that they walk through the valley knowing that Christ is there, knowing that a pastor is there, knowing that friends and the body of Christ is there to support, nurture and care for them along the way. And in verse 17, he says, feed my sheep. <clears throat> now, for me, reading this, it's the importance of needing continually to be spiritually fed. Uh, for those older in the faith, more mature, but for everybody, we still need the word of God. We still need the ministry of the Holy Spirit to feed and nourish our spiritual souls. Without it, we will starve and wander around uh, looking for green pasture. It's sad when that happens, which is why it's so important to stay within the flock. I read a book by a guy called Philip Keller, who was a, uh, a shepherd, also a pastor. He tells a story. It's a brilliant book, actually, if you ever get a chance to read it. Um, it's a trilogy on uh, Jesus and um, the shepherd and Jesus and the 23rd Psalm. Um, it's a brilliant book, just really worth reading it. Um, and he, he tells his story of a neighbouring shepherd at the farm next to him who didn't really care for his sheep at all. And the neglected sheep would come over to his 
uh, over to the fence and would would look at the lush green grass that he had that he was feeding his own sheep with. He said how he longed for those sheep, malnourished sheep, to be under his care. But they were under the ownership of someone who didn't care at all. And the parallels of uh, society and church today in this picture, in this story, are powerful today. Which is why we believe as a church leadership that the word and the spirit of God and the ministering to uh, his flock are so important, um, even in a time of lockdown, and they're not to be neglected. Now, this all leads me to kind of my, my final thought. Jesus is quite uh, explicit in talking to Peter here in the context of becoming the leader of the way, which is what it was called at the very beginning. Um, Christians, they weren't called Christians to start off with, or that was a bit of a slur of mini Christs, which was adopted. But it was uh, uh, called the way. It was the early church. Um, But is it only a message for Peter? I know this passage has been used uh, for those going into formal church leadership. But what is Jesus saying to all of us here, not just Peter? As we know, Jesus states that there are two great commandments and he re-emphasizes that here in John 21. And, And I want to read to you, if you can, you know, turn as well to Matthew 22 come in nicely there or there thank you Dave Uh, turn to Matthew 22 and we're going to look at verses 37 uh, to 40 um, the two great commandments and it says Jesus replied love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind this is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it Love your neighbour as yourself. And it says that all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. It's that passion. It's that zeal for him. With all your soul. That spiritual depth. That real kind of, there's nothing in the world that can take God away from me. My, My trust and my faith is in him. And I believe everything he says. And the mind, you know, we're called to ponder and think about God, theologize. Uh, that's what it is, is to think on God, to to ask those questions of, of God doing this and God doing that. You know, we're not to neglect the intellect of, of our thinking about God, but that's not obviously to over egg it as well and kind of lose our way. It's to seek and explore. Now, what Jesus is saying in John 21 is to Peter is, you know, do you love me more than these? And then out of the response, which is, yes, it's like feed my sheep. Jesus is saying the same. He's saying the greatest commandment here. He's saying, love me first, then love others. And, And the important thing is it's love others as you love yourself. And I'll come on to that just at the very end. Now, We've looked at why it is important to love Jesus, but there is more of a request than just that. We're to love others. 
or if we're to bring in uh, the parallel of John 21, we're to feed others, we're to care for others, the young, the old, uh, not just those maybe within the church as well. It's important to care for those within the church. But what about those without? Within and without. Those that we are close to, but aren't quite yet in the faith. I was challenged many years ago when I was asked this question of who are you pastoring? My mind naturally was drawn to young people in the church. But then the speaker said, what about those outside the church? We were given time to think about this and my mind started to be drawn to people within the community that I had spiritually been taking care of through a conversation uh, when they were going through a tough time or for certain people of influence who turned to me with guidance questions. It was then that the speaker proposed that we pastor so many more than just those within the faith and that all were ministers pastoring uh, those who God has drawn close uh, to. See, I believe we walk with people and start to disciple them as we walk alongside them, as we just go. My basis for this is that Jesus never asked the disciples to pray a prayer. We've done it before, to pray the prayer. Um, He just said, follow me. He didn't stop them after the the haul of fish and said, right, you must now go on an alpha course or you must now um, commit right here, right now to uh, confess your sins and become a Christian. He didn't do that at all. He just said, follow me. It wasn't until Matthew 16, um, I'm not going to turn there, but you can turn there at another point if you want to, when they're at Caesarea Philippi, which is another great story of why Jesus took them to Caesarea Philippi and in verse 16 Jesus then asks Peter who do you think I am or who do you say I am and Peter confesses this is the confession of Peter says Peter confesses that Jesus is Christ now like I said I think people tend to think the disciples were believers right from the start I personally don't think they were. They would have known about Jesus, heard of some of the things he'd done, and they'd seen this miracle uh, going on and seen more and more miracles. But it's not quite clear. They're still working it out. But Jesus discipled them anyway. He worked, walked with them anyway. And I believe it's Peter saying that you are the Christ is when he, it's that light bulb moment. So this radically changed my thinking on how I minister within our community of Billericay. My call, is my role, is to minister to the church here, uh, specifically with the young people. But more and more I see what is going on outside the church, the more and more I am stirred to disciple others to get out there as well. This is why I'm a big believer in the priesthood of all believers and I if you if you can turn to 1 Peter 2 verse 4 to 5 I'm just going to read that <clears throat> this is the living stone and a chosen people is a title in my bible it says as you come to him the living stone rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him you also 
like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So this is what we believe the term of priesthood of all believers. That actually, each one of us, when we turn back to John 21, instead of Jesus asking Peter, do you love me? Put your own name there. Gary, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Gary, do you love me more than these, than your family, than your church, than your home, than your van, sauna van, as people call it. Gary, do you love me more than all of this? So ask yourself right now, when Jesus asks these three questions and three challenges of Peter, just stop for a second and think, about Jesus asking you these questions. Do you love Jesus more than anything? And who are you looking out for? Who are you feeding the good food that is Jesus Christ? During this lockdown, I believe we have a greater opportunity to pastor and care for people. I see people everywhere, not just Christians, reaching out and caring for others. Are you part of that care? Or are you happy just to sit at home? Maybe you've got to sit at home, but can you make a phone call? Can you send a message to someone that will encourage them and bless them and feed them a passage of scripture? Many of you, I think now, are in WhatsApp chats down your street. How can you use that to glorify God, to feed people, to, to you know, walk alongside them? Many of you are teaching children from home. Feed those lambs the goodness of Jesus as well. Don't just sit down and do schoolwork with them. Open up the scriptures. Play those fun games that Charlotte's been doing And uh, just, yeah, just the responsibility of a parent to teach our children is first and foremost, not mine or Charlotte's. It's a parental thing. I think more and more work colleagues are probably asking questions and how each other is uh, doing. You know, for those of you that are working at home, you know, the, the Zoom chats and the conversations that are happening, you know, people are looking out for one another a little bit more. Are you okay? How's it all going? Are you asking the same of your work colleagues or is it all just business? Golden opportunity to ask people how they're doing. It's a golden opportunity to, to reach out into our community, be it our neighbours, our school friends, work colleagues, family. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. Do you know, I was so pleased last week to see someone come out of hospital um, recovering from this virus who's been part of our football community that we've got to know for a long time. And I know um, a lot of you have been praying for him and he does thank you all. Um, He's someone I've been praying for. We've been praying for as football pastors. There's a lot of people we pray for um, to draw closer to to Jesus. Um, 
thank you. And he's so pleased that you were praying for him as a church. And he's even threatened that he's going to come along to a church service one day when this is all done. So that's really cool. Um, it's been great seeing the uh, street pastors and football pastors, schools pastors, helping out with the food bank alongside other people in our community that aren't of faith. And so many others want to be involved um, in caring, in feeding people. My prayer is that this word that I've shared and the current situation we find ourselves in will stir us as Christians and as a church to really grab a focus on what church and family is all about. A community, what it's all about. The building helps, but actually it's proved that it's not about the building. It's important to gather together, to fellowship, to worship, to hear his word and minister to one another. But take all of that away, what do we have? We have church outside the building, albeit in our homes uh, for a fair bit. We've talked as a ministry team uh, about uh, this 2020 vision for this year to focus on what God wanted us to focus on going forward. A lot of thoughts and ideas to do with that have been postponed. And I'm asking a deeper question at this time of what is what it is that God wants for his church here in Billericay to be like on the other side of this. Will we revert to how we did things or will there be an opportunity to focus more on fresh expressions of how we do church in our community? Let's just keep praying into that one. So as I finish this morning, let me leave you with this. Love Jesus first before anything else. And out of that love for him, you will develop from a mundane fisherman into a shepherd for Jesus. Ask yourself now, who are you pastoring? In or outside of the faith? Who are you leading to be your, be your successor? in church ministry maybe, or a group, or whatever it might be. Who are you nurturing? Who is Christ wanting you to bring into the, the fold, into the sheep pen, as it were? And finally, we can only love our neighbour when we love ourselves and treat others in the same way that we treat others. If you don't care for yourself, how can you care for others? Self-care, especially at this time, is so important. Don't neglect your own spiritual nourishment and food. It's only through what you learn more about Jesus that you can impart to others in thought, word and deed. Love Jesus. Look after yourself. Look out for others. As I pray to close, um, just think about those people that may be um, your pastor at this time and bring them before Jesus. Father, I want to thank you for this opportunity to share your word. I want to thank you, Father, for your message to Peter here is to feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Lord, may we think about that at this time, those people that are within our mind's eye, that we know that you have been drawing them to us. Father, give us the, uh, the, the confidence, the equipping and the leading of the Holy Spirit as we pastor our children, our young people, 
one another and people that you are drawing closer to you from within our community. Lord, we pray for those on our front line. We pray for those that are unwell. Lord, bring your healing spirit. Bring your peace at this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So thank you for joining us this morning. Like I said, go from here. Love Jesus. Look after yourself and look after others. God bless. Bye-bye.